0: Pam continued to attend Metro Church in Oklahoma in spite of the rejection she had received from the people in the singles class when she delivered scripture to them. She continued to attend that church and she was in the auditorium at the main church service when God spoke to her. And this is what she says about that event. One Sunday morning in 1983, says Pam, I was sitting in the Metro Church Auditorium waiting for the service to begin when the following was strongly brought to my mind. What are you doing here? I told you to get out. Now get out. I was so shocked to hear this that I sat in stunned silence during the entire service. Could this possibly have been from God, I wondered. I began talking with God about this, asking him if this message was from him. And if so, when had he previously told me to leave Metro Church? During the following week, I was reminded that Joan Boney had shared a dream. She had been given the poison gas dream, and she warned people about churches which teach and uphold doctrines that are not according to the New Testament Bible. Pam is going to present this poison gas dream. I received this in 1979. In this dream, destruction was everywhere. And in the dream a meeting was going on, a man was speaking to a room filled with people. I went in and began to listen. A second man rushed into the room and said, Stop. Wait. Can't you see? It's too late. It's already begun. The first man resumed speaking. No one in the room seemed at all interested in this warning that had been brought by the second man, saying that it had begun, but I was interested. So I looked out a row of windows to the side of the room to see what had already begun. What I saw was shocking. There was a tall pole with those old-type yellow civil defense warning speakers, At the top of the pole, a gas was coming out of the speaker and it was poison and I knew it would kill the people and it was coming directly toward those of us who were sitting in this room listening to that man who was speaking. The shocking thing was the speaker that was set there for the purpose of warning us was being used as the instrument which distributed the gas that was poison that would kill us. I looked at the man sitting next to me. He had a big grin on his face, and he was looking directly at the man who was speaking to the group. But then I saw this man was a corpse. He was dead. Though he looked like he was alive, he was already dead. I looked about the room at the other people and realized they were also all dead, though they looked like they were alive. Everybody in the room was fixed on this man who was speaking, and they had big grins on their faces and they looked alive, but they were all dead. As I sat back in my chair and listened to the man speaking, I began to feel a little bit sleepy and I knew as I sat there among them this gas was killing me too and the dream ended. God was showing me the apostasy that was already working in the church groups and I will point out to you at the beginning of the dream destruction was everywhere. And this dream was in 1979. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Second Timothy 3, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And Jesus tells us that as we continue in the end times, it will get so bad that even the elect would be destroyed. But for the elect's sake, the time will be shortened. That's in Matthew 24. So, all of this tells me it has gotten worse and worse since I had this dream in 1979. Pam continues her story. Pam says, when I had previously read the poison gas dream, I never considered that this could possibly apply to Metro Church, this must be a warning for other people, I thought. But I did not seriously ask God about this. After hearing at church on Sunday, what are you doing here? I told you to get out, now get out. After hearing that, I strongly turned to God. I became convinced that the message to get out of Metro Church was from God and that he had previously told me to get out of that church group through Jones sharing of the poison gas stream and warning us about churches which do not follow all scripture. Metro Church was not upholding scriptures in the New Testament Bible in which we are told that a man who marries a divorced woman Commits adultery. And also that a divorced woman who remarries commits adultery. Matthew 5:32. But I, Jesus, say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, divorce his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. She will go out and remarry, and when she does that, she will commit adultery even though she's been a faithful wife to this husband. But Jesus says this husband who divorced her will be the cause of her adultery, but she will commit adultery. We had a man in our church group who filed divorce papers against his wife, and when I heard about it, I called him and I said, Was your wife unfaithful to you? And he said, No. And I said, that is the only scriptural reason that a man has to divorce his wife is that she has been unfaithful to him. And I gave him this scripture in Matthew five thirty-two. He apparently looked into this scripture and seriously turned to God with his divorce plans. And then he withdrew the divorce proceedings from the U.S. courts and did not divorce his wife. Jesus says in Mark 10, the reason for divorce is hardness of heart. Even in casual friendships, sometimes we can become offended. We must not sit there and let that offense go into our heart because it will make our heart hard against that other person. So the minute we are offended by someone, we must turn to God and let him heal us. Committing it to God, patiently waiting on God. And then, if we are of God, the Holy Spirit will speak something to us to uproot that offense that we have taken in. Otherwise, we're going to be following devils at some point in time and reacting by the offense. We have to be healed by God and we have to submit to God. So, Jesus says, Whosoever shall put away his wife, Saving for the cause of fornication causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. I have another story, which I will tell you. This happened to my best friend and her husband. Donna was divorced, but she didn't tell anybody. She started going to church and met a man who wanted to date her. His wife had died of cancer and Howell was looking for a new wife. He had picked out two women at this church that he was interested in dating. He started dating Donna, and he didn't know she'd been divorced. He fell in love with Donna and married her, but before they married, she told him she'd been divorced. But they went ahead with the marriage. Yet Howell had had the teaching that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Years later, after this happened, I became friends with Donna and Hal. And when I found out Donna had been divorced, I said to Hal, If you had known Donna was a divorced woman, would you have dated her? And he seriously thought it over, and then he said, No, I don't think I would have. Jesus says in Matthew 19, 9, Whoso marrieth her that is put away doth commit adultery in Matthew chapter five verse thirty two Jesus says the same thing: The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, paraphrasing matthew five thirty two which you can read for yourself Romans seven two and three for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. Though our churches will say, we don't go by the law in the New Testament church. Yet this is a New Testament scripture, Romans 7, presented by the Apostle Paul, who is speaking under the inspiration of God. So what's going on here? When a church says we don't go by the law and throws this scripture out, what's going on? Well, that church that says that they are thinking of the law of Moses not the law of God in the New Testament for there are laws of God today how about the law of gravity as God set up the heavens and the earth that's in effect today there are laws for the New Testament church today and this is one of them in the law of Moses It would pertain to the sacrifice of animals for sins. We don't go by that because Jesus in the New Testament has paid for our sins with his own blood. But we certainly go by the laws of God as presented by the apostles of Jesus Christ in the New Testament Bible. For all scripture is inspired by God so that we will know what to do as the church. That is in Second Timothy chapter 3. So reading Romans chapter 7 once again, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband, so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Mark chapter 10, verses 11-12. Jesus saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 12. We're also told that if a woman departs from her husband, she is to remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. And notice that the Apostle Paul says, this is not his own opinion. This is a commandment of the Lord for the church. 1 Corinthians seven ten and 11 And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Pam says, I had suffered persecution from those in the singles group at Metro Church when I presented these scriptures to a divorced woman in the singles group who was planning to remarry, and to the man she was engaged to marry, and to the woman who was the maid of honor at their wedding. Pam presented scriptures to three people who were about to commit sin to give them an opportunity to. Rethink what they were doing, and all three of them rejected the scripture. She said it was shocking to me that none of these people upheld scripture in this matter. No one turned from moving forward with this wedding, and this wedding was even performed at Metro Church by one of the pastors. Weddings in which the bride was a divorced woman, were being approved and performed at that church, disregarding what God has told us in the New Testament Bible. This is Antichrist in the church. Pam says, instead of honoring God and serving God by upholding what he has told us in the New Testament Bible, Metro Church was upholding another doctrine which is contrary to the Bible. Falling away from the doctrines of Christ, this is Antichrist. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Churches would fall away from some of the scriptures and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. By the falling away, this man of sin is revealed. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. This is Antichrist, and it's in the churches, sitting in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. Pam said, It was hard for me to acknowledge the wrongdoing at Metro Church, for I didn't want to leave that church. None of us want to leave our churches. She says this now seems irrational considering how I had been treated by the singles class at that church. But God had mercy on me presenting the very strong message to me what are you doing here? I told you to get out, now get out. This caused me to finally submit myself and the matter to God and to become willing to leave Metro Church. I did not go to any more church services at Metro Church. However, there was one more thing that I needed to do to leave completely. I had been helping children find their Sunday school classes for the previous few months, and I felt I needed to let those in charge of this know that I wouldn't be doing this anymore. At one point, an idea came to just call the church office and let them know that I would no longer be doing this. I now believe the Holy Spirit brought this idea, giving me a way to fulfill the instruction, which he'd heard that morning at church, now get out, now, now. But I didn't recognize this at that time, says Pam. Nor did I ask God how to handle this, as I should have done. Instead, I went to the Sunday school building the following Sunday and told the woman in charge that I would no longer be there. Wrongly, I'm sure, I was hoping to delay severing this last tie to Metro Church as long as possible. I did not return to Metro Church after this. Although it was difficult to see the wrong being done and to leave this church group, I am now very grateful to God for getting me out of Metro Church. Amazingly, Pam has had a similar experience with the Catholic Church where she was baptized as a baby And her parents took her to Catholic church, mostly her mother, I'm sure, took her to Catholic church and took her to Catholic school. And she was in a Catholic school for a few years. And she had trouble leaving that church group. So after she left the Catholic church, she's come to a non-denominational church where she has, I'm sure, found more hostility even in the previous church, but both churches were violating scripture, and because they were violating scripture, Pam left them, even though she didn't want to do it. After leaving Metro Church, I didn't look for another church to attend. I simply asked God to very clearly show me if he wanted me to attend another church group. In the past 38 years, he has not shown me to do this. Now, we think we have to go to church. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves with one another. That's Hebrews chapter 10. But it's the assembling of ourselves, the elect of God with the elect of God. It is not assembling with the apostate churches who have left Scripture. I've had to leave so many churches when the pastor Misused scripture, misquoted scripture, added things to the Bible that were not in it. In the subsequent chapters of our book, I will be telling you about these churches that I've had to leave because they misuse scripture. In those cases, the pastors knew they were misusing scriptures. I talked to pastors. They didn't care. They are antichrist. Antichrist is rampant in our churches today. You will not want to believe this. will you test it. You see, if they're following Scripture on such things as divorce, remarriage, and it won't be long, if they're not following those Scriptures, what are they going to do with Romans chapter 1 concerning homosexuals and lesbians? Why, I heard that Catholic Pope on television say, I don't see anything wrong with being a homosexual. And I screamed at the TV, What about the Bible? Well, they don't go by the Bible. It doesn't mean anything to them. Listen to Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. Vile affections. For even their women... Did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God. In their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Not only do some churches welcome homosexuals and approve them in their action without repentance, but I have even heard that in some churches, homosexuals and lesbians are appointed as their pastors in churches that's the way it is sin has a creeping spreading way of going about gobbling up everything in its path but we know by the new testament bible what the church is to be and what we as the church are to be and what we are to do and what we are not to do And we do not support sin in the church. If they repent and turn from their sin, that's another matter. But we don't support adultery, fornication, drunkenness, homosexuals, lesbians. We don't support those things because by the Bible, we see that God does not support them. Therefore, we don't support them. The Bible is the only rule book we have for the New Testament church. So Pam reports, I simply asked God to very clearly show me if he wanted me to attend another church group. In the past 38 years, he has not shown me to do this. I've had almost the exact experience when God brought me out of the last church group that I regularly attended. I tried diligently to find another church, but I couldn't find another church that was doing all of the scriptures. They did part of the scriptures, but not all of them. Pam says, throughout these years, God has led me and has seen that I have everything I need, including spiritual nourishment. Concerning Pam, I've worked with her for years on Our books, she did all the technical work on the blog, the books, podcasts, for years. When Pam has a problem, I've seen her turn to God with the problem. She didn't run to me and say, we have a problem here. She turned to God. This is remarkable. Almost everyone that I know in churches... I've seen examples where they turn to human beings with their problem. What do you think I should do about this? And they tell their problem. Or they tell the prayer group, pray for me because this is the problem. I've really never understood this. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, Paul tells us what to do. Be careful for nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God in everything. So you have an appointment that you dread that's coming up. Turn to God. Tell him how you feel. Ask him what you should do. It may be that you need to cancel the appointment, postpone the appointment, change doctors. There may be a lot of ways to go about this thing. So you take your request to God, you turn to him, you tell him the problem. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, as all of the elect of God do have the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, then you be sensitive toward that which the Holy Spirit gives you, what he brings to your mind, and you do that. See, Pam heard the answer on that church. She heard the answer about that assignment on helping those children get to their rooms. She had the idea she could have just called the church office and said, I won't be doing this work anymore. You'll need to get a replacement for me. She didn't have all that teaching that she has now concerning following God because she, at the time this happened, She would have recognized that is what I need to do, and she would have done that following the Spirit of God. She just didn't have the teaching at the time on the Holy Spirit that she has now. But here's Pam, who hasn't gone to a church for 38 years and is one of the most spiritual people I've ever met. Matter of fact, she's so spiritual that when I had an accident in the year 2019 and was Basically helpless. I could not walk at all. And spent two and a half months after surgery in rehab hospitals in Texas. Pam is the person God selected for me to live with in Colorado and to move to Colorado. Because she is the kind of person you want in your foxhole at the time of war. You don't want that clinging vine that asks you what to do about everything. You want that other Christian who turns to God with the problem and solves it with God. There was one woman in our church group for 39 years. She heard all the messages that I presented about the Holy Spirit for 39 years, but she couldn't pray. She had asked me to pray. She didn't have the faith. She even told me one time she thought her problem was that she just didn't believe. That's uh, Hebrews chapter 3 at the end of the chapter. They could not enter in because of unbelief. She'd gone to church all her life, taken there as a baby. And she told me she thought that was her problem. She couldn't believe. She asked me to pray because she just didn't have the faith that God would answer her prayer. And she attends church all the time. And here's Pam, who left the church because they would not do the scriptures. And she has all the faith that I've seen the church people not have. I attended Word of Faith for four or five years, the church, and the teacher at Word of Faith told me after I'd left, I said, well, I thought I was like them. And he said, Joan, you've never been like these people. They talk about faith, but you actually do it. It's just such an enormous deception around churches. But the simplest thing is this. If they violate scripture and you see it, you can turn to God and take it to God. And if you belong to God, he will make it clear to you. But there's an enormous deception and delusion over churches. But we're in the end times and Paul said this falling away in churches had to happen before Jesus can return. Now Jesus is not going to take that whole church group to heaven. He's going to take the elect of God to heaven. If you will look at Matthew chapter 24, let's look at what he says. Start at verse 29, please. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, says Jesus. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Why will they mourn? Because they rejected him. They rejected scripture when you gave them scripture. They mourn because they know they're in trouble now. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31. And Jesus shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they shall gathered together his elect, not the whole church groups, his elect, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. But even at the church of Sardis, which was terrible, a terrible church, Revelation 3, even at Sardis, there were some who were worthy of salvation and would walk with Jesus. And in Revelation 3, verse 5, Jesus says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Don't we see by this scripture that some names will be blotted out of the book of life for failing to overcome the evil that is around them? It's he that overcometh. You overcome by turning to God. You overcome by following what God says, by upholding the scriptures, by refusing to deny the word of God, by refusing to deny, to deny the scriptures when all the church around you is going the opposite direction from the Scripture, and you refuse to deny that Scripture. And you give up those churches that will not follow Scripture, but go another way. That's overcoming. Well, Pam has overcome many times, and I've overcome many times, and the whole purpose of this book is to show you that. You don't stay in a church where they deny Scripture. That's just the bottom line. You can't do it. You will not overcome them. They will overcome you if you stay there. For we're dealing with flesh, of our own flesh and their flesh, and we have to follow the scriptures and follow the Spirit of God, and then we get stronger. But you're not going to do it by staying there in a church where Antichrist has moved into the church and scriptures are denied in part. They don't deny every scripture. But if they deny any scripture, it's Antichrist. Any scripture. You respect the Bible more than you love the church. Your love has to be greater for the scriptures than it is for that church group. There is no other way. If you stay in a church where they deny scripture, you are denying scripture. You can convince yourself that you're staying there so that you can change them. It won't happen. They are working under a strong delusion from God. You will delude yourself if you try that. We will close this podcast with one additional scripture. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Start at verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned to believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Several years ago, There was a woman in the faith movement, and I asked her to read this scripture aloud to me. She said, okay, and she got the Bible, and she read, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That's how she read it. That they should believe a lie? God shall send them strong delusion. That's exactly what happens. And if you stay there, you will delude yourself and be bound with them in terrible things to come you have to honor scripture you have to for many people love their church buildings they love the stained glass they love the inside of the building they love the robes and pastors wear or the ornaments that they have They love the outward appearance of religion, but they do not have a love for the scripture. And that is the deciding point for each one of us. Do you love the scriptures above everything? Thank you for allowing me to speak this to you today, starting tomorrow I'll begin giving my testimony of trying to find a church to attend and what I ran into. Some of you will really be helped by these podcasts because you will now understand what you have been going through. Thank you again.